0: I hope, this morning you're, <clears throat> I hope this morning you're already encouraged, uh, comforted to a degree because of just the temperament of the service already. There's many people here we know aren't here because of the weather that's coming. So I'll be, uh, be sure to keep that in mind this morning and I think the Lord already has because the message this morning is, is shorter than normal. And, but it is a very clear one and a very honest one. And it's one that I hope as a privilege it will bring, as a messenger, that this message this morning will bring an even more, uh, a, a greater comfort than what we've already experienced through the songs this morning that Joe and Ange and the music team so carefully pick out. That's last bridge we sang together about this sea and that God creates a way and prepares a way for us to walk right through it. And when I sing that bridge, there's two pictures that come to mind that stirs in me worship. One, that greatest sea of all, that sea in the sin of my heart. My condition before God as we visited last week, that when I sin and I walk in the flesh, God has already prepared and given me a way to have victory and get out of that flesh, to walk in the victory of walking in the Spirit, which gives life. But then, the, when I sing that song, that bridge, there's a, this practica- practical mindset comes to mind of the existing sorrow that many of us in this room may be in this morning. The life. That we may be grieving that we wish we had. That we want something so bad that we set this expectation and then we fail. And then we just find ourselves going through the everyday motions and routines. And before we know it, we're in this chest-deep pressure of life, just sorrow and gloom and no life at all. Because the sin of expectation and weight that we have put on life that belonged to Christ now is our God. And we have to be careful, church. We do it so often that we put these weight of expectations that only belong to the supremacy of Christ. And that just creates in us this weight of sorrow that we can't bear in our flesh. We find ourselves depressed, find ourselves turning to things in life, that can't create the way through the sea, that can't, like we sang, cannot create the way through this sea of sin and sorrow and life that we are existing and found ourselves in today. So this morning, as we're reminded of three things, those three things this morning in our text should give us, should bring to us to a place, I believe, and what it's done in my life this week, Just excitement, joy, reminder, and once again, hope and comfort. Those three things we're going to look at this morning in our short text, small text passage, is the fact that we are in debt to God. We are debtors to God before God. The second thing is we are children of God. And then the great hope, we are heirs to God. His kingdom, eternally. Before we get into our text though, I want to ask you how the war is going. Last week for those of you who visited and those of you who was here, we talked about this spiritual war that we're working out in us and around us. I hope that you were more aware last week than you were the week before. I hope and pray that you are in the fight. And that's odd because when you're in the fight, you know that there's going to be affliction. Why would we pray for such a spiritual warfare and affliction? Because we are ambassadors of the gospel. We have a greater truth and a greater hope. We have greater victory in Christ. So I, I do hope this week that when you found yourself in this warfare of spiritual, of life and death, that you were choosing life in Christ. That you were choosing his word. You were choosing his way as a victory. And we're going to continue to see that this morning. Paul wrestled with it his whole missionary career. Paul wrestled with it when he persecuted Christians. But last week we had to learn to set our minds on things that were righteous. And when we set our mind on those things, it gave life. But if we set our mind on flesh, it gave death. It gave a very practical way to look at sin in our lives, to know it, let the word of God reveal it, let the community of the church keep us accountable to it. And as we know this sin in our life, we stalk it because it is stalking us. And after we stalk it, we kill it practically spiritually in prayer we remove all the vices in our lives and we take the victory that christ has given you and i so with this continual thought of the spirit versus the flesh we also talked about the rewards and i want to keep in that mindset the reward of walking out in the spirit and flesh is that we were sons of god and we'll see that this morning But the reward of walking out in flesh and continuing giving ourselves to and not giving ourselves to the righteousness of Christ when he calls us is our enslavement to flesh, which are sons of the devil, lost, believing and non-believing. We were able to look at certain clear marks. So as we continue to think out our position and our rewards, we look at these three positions as debtors. We look at it as children, and we'll look at it as heirs. Let's read our passage together. Romans chapter 8, 12 through 17. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God you did not receive the spirit of slavery. Amen. You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we are children of God. And if children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs of Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him yes church that is our text and we can clearly see the three things that i've already brought to your attention to examine but as we look at verse 12 so then there's this therefore that comes to mind there's just because remember paul in light of this passage today has been setting it up each week he sets up the next stage and we'll learn at the later part of our passage that he's about to turn another corner and set us up for future glory the hope that we have in our suffering and in our ailments in our glory and in our obedience but right now we need to look at it it says so then therefore because it, it prompted me to go look at romans chapter romans chapter 8 1 through 4 that brother michael preached read with me it says there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in christ jesus but walk according to the Spirit. And I bring that to the forefront because Paul's like, okay, so then, because of this work, we are now in debt. We are in debt to what God did through Christ because of what the law weakened by our flesh could not do. God did through Christ what the law weakened by our flesh could not do. He made righteousness possible because Christ made himself available and obedient to the will of the Father to the cross. He paid the final price. Then, therefore, so because of this, we are now in debt to God the Father, to God the Son and the Holy Spirit. And this, not only are we in debt to God, first and foremost, but I think about when I have my relationship with my son and with my children. They'll never know and never expect to pay back for all the things that I've given them in life. As parents have gone before us, you've given and you've given and you've given and you've loved and you've loved and you've loved. And, you've loved and you expect nothing back. You'll do it. But our children, in a sense, in an essence are in debt to that. They have this, this, this loyalty, this respect, and this honor for parents. In light of that, God sent his son as the ultimate sacrifice. So we, we have this mindset as we go before God with this outlook of debt. And I want to encourage you to have it as this sense of just Holy reverence. You are a good, good father, as we sang about. I am no longer a slave because of your work, and I owe you everything. We will never be able to repay what he has done for us. That cancel out. that voids our work space. My child and my children will never be able to repay all the things that I have done for them nor do I expect it and nor does my parents expect me to pay them back what a beautiful picture that is of the father making things righteous and us being in debt to god but also being in debt to god means a really good thing that we are not in debt to the flesh we owe our flesh nothing but if we were in debt to the flesh that's going to bring death but now that we are in debt to God gives life this idea of debt we're all too familiar with it in American culture school, first vehicles I remember my first loan was a pair of tires for my Bronco yeah took me six months to pay those puppies off 240 (laughs) bucks yeah took me six months, I was working as hard as I could I think minimum wage back then was like 385, you know, doing church sports and working. It took a little while. My dad had to help me a couple a couple times. He was gracious there. I didn't own those tires though. Bank owned those tires. We're familiar with loans. We're familiar with people giving us an advancement. So the reality is, is when we find ourselves in those positions we're enslaved we're enslaved to that debt in our life now I could go on a very practical note here but I'm going to stay on a spiritual note and hope that it works itself out in your, in your budget but the reality is, is that we're enslaved to this loan whether it's hospital bills whether it's school and education credit cards that we've mishandled Things we wanted that we shouldn't have, we didn't save for because we're impatient and all X, Y, Z. We could beat that all day long. But the reality at the end of the day, we are in debt to these banks. We are in debt to these parents, are in debt to these friends, the people who have loaned us this money. And if we're not careful, and we don't handle, and we're not proper with this debt, it begins to push and suffocate And it becomes a God in our life. Though this passage is talking about debt to the greatest work of all in Christ, and we should honor him and place him where he belongs as God, my warning to you this morning on a very practical level is be cautious to what you're a slave to. We're going to be a slave to something. And Paul's clear about that. We're going to be a slave to our flesh, or we're going to be a slave to the Spirit, which gives life. And as I describe that father and son and that daughter and father and mother relationship of honor and respect and loyalty and all because of all the goodness the parent has done in their life, I hope you choose that option. That you find yourself in debt to God who gives life and not death. Debt is something that we have no choice. We are to give ourselves to it because Christ paid the price. And verse 12 reminds us that it's either going to be flesh, which gives death as a reward, or the spirit, which gives life. As Christians, we're no longer slaves to sin and death we're no longer slaves to sin and death but slaves to life and righteousness I want to make sure I got that point across because this morning going forward you'll have that choice you'll find yourself repenting and calibrating your life spiritually and physically putting God where he belongs and we have no reason to fear no reason to fear because the second point, we are children of God. For who, for all, in verse 14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Simple. And continue reading in verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba father verse 14 gives us a clear mark a clear mark of this identity of those who walk in god it will challenge our faith and that's clear mark for those who are led by the spirit the led by the son of god led by the spirit of god as sons of god that mark is obedience obedience we all want the perfect children don't we god's no different but he's not ignorant. (laughs) God understands that there is love and there's discipline, there's suffering and there's joy along the way. And we experience those attributes as physical parents here on this earth. But I would say if there's one thing as a parent that I could choose for my child to do would be obey. 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 Obey in so many ways reveals the kindness Mo, you got that? I see your, see your, uh, your mom uh, uh, nudging you there. So obedience conveys and shows so many things about how we care about the certain person we're listening to. When we listen to somebody and we obey what they say, we give them respect. When we hear someone that we trust and love and they speak into our life, we receive their counsel and it it mirrors the word of God and then all of a sudden we're being obedient, we trust them. Obedience reveals our love for someone. Think about your kids and when the first time you're like, yes, you did what I asked you to do. (laughs) Oh my gosh, there is hope. But how to, to, just to bring the feelings into this, How did you feel as a parent? Respected and loved and that the work was not going, you know, it was not finding itself just void and just aimless and pointless. Obedience does so much in the life of a Christian. It pleases the Father. And as it pleases the Father and we walk out with the Spirit of God in our lives, it gives gives witness to the work of God in our lives. Obedience to the scriptures. All of these things are encompassed in that one word. And as the outside world look to our lives, as practical as I'm not going to to partake in that worldly desire, and then as the world looks at you, people at work or friends and say, why not? You can say, because I want to obey the word. Why do you want to obey the word? Because it changed my life. It's giving me so much more than this temporary satisfaction. Obedience is so key and so crucial and a clear mark in in a brother's and sister's faith. I'm sure we can all begin to look at other people's lives, but this morning I want you to look at your life. Are you being obedient? That child of God, just respecting, loving, honoring, cherishing, Paul's beginning to package what I love to see, this relationship between a son, daughter, and a parent. Because look at that word found in verse 15. Adoption. Adoption. And later it says, To whom we cry, Abba, Father. Abba, an Aramaic word meaning father. Endearment. Respect. Respect. But to me, the more important word I want to look at is adoption. The way of adoption is to look into one's life, to love them, choose them, and call them child. To love them, to choose them, and call them child. Wow. Wow. Some of you in this room I know are adopted and or unofficially adopted. We've all got those parents who have spoke truth and love into our life, but we haven't signed the line. Whether it's through a mentor relationship or a father-son relationship, this spirit of adoption is someone looking into the life of another child and choosing to love it and taking it on as it is. This is what you and I find comfort as children of God. That is great comfort, freeing us from slavery of the flesh and of fear. We don't have to walk this world fearing that our God, who cares for the birds in the air, is not going to care for us. He's adopted you. He has called you his own. Would you neglect the child that you have chosen to look into its life and call it your very own? I sure hope not. But I believe in a perfect world, no man or woman could neglect the love of the child they choose to adopt and care for. So as we look at that spirit of adoption, to be able to call him Abba, Father, not because we chose him, but because he chose us, not because we have chosen him, but because he chose us. If you have that backwards this morning, you don't have a clear understanding of the spirit of adoption, the doctrine of adoption. Bring it very practical. When a, when a child is fostered and the parents are fostered and they choose to adopt, where's the choice? It's not in the choice of the child. That parents, those parents, that mother or father, is making that decision to adopt that child. A child can't say, hey, I want that family down the road. I'm going to go, hey, government over here. I want to be in that family, so can you sign me up? They got a two-story house, two cars, all these wonderful things. They do everything. I want that life. It looks perfect. That's not how it works. We know that, as elementary as that illustration is. But that's how we need to view Adoption. It's flattering that the God of the universe and creator would look into our lives, choose us, and call us his own. And when he does that, that brings us to number three. We are now heirs. Heirs of his inheritance. Verse 16, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. It affirms in us. It works in us. It agrees with us that we are children of God. And if we are those children, then we are heirs of his, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Then it goes on to that last line. Provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. This spirit bearing witness in us as heirs of the kingdom of God is this indwelling presence, church. It's an indwelling presence in us. It is part of God himself. We cannot take that out of the equation here. I was meeting with a friend and he was agreeing with me that many times in churches today it's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And I talked briefly about that last week. I get that the Holy Spirit and the ways that believe, people believe that they, it works have been tarnished, have been taken advantage of. But this morning I'm here to tell you that we cannot, as the church, disregard the source, the Holy Spirit of the changing work in us and through us because of the work of Christ and the power of God. Please. we learned learning about that in our kids' ministry. Children, most of them right now can tell you that all three are God the Trinity but the God is not the Father, the Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Holy Spirit but all three in one make the person, all three persons make God and I say that because the Spirit is the indwelling presence of God in us leading us to bear witness enough because of the work of Him through us and the Holy Spirit work through us proves our inheritance I don't know about y'all I'm broke here on earth. I'm ready. I ain't keeping up with this world. I don't want to. I'll take care of my family and meet the needs and love and do the best I can and work the the hardest I can with these two hands, preach, graphic design, whatever it is. But I'll assure you today, as much as I love my sweet little family, I am ready to be whole again. I am ready. Paul had that same fight. He was called between heaven and earth. We all are. Wishing we weren't here, but knowing we are to be ambassadors of the gospel. But this spirit in us, proving his testimony in us, tells us in verse 17 that there are going to be times that we suffer with Christ. We suffer with Christ. So there's a second mark, not only obedience, but the second mark found in verse 17 is a, willing, a willingness for us to follow Christ through our sufferings. And I'm going to give us a sweet, small glimpse of this because we're going to talk about future glory next week. So if you want to hear about that, some more good news, come on back. Or listen on the podcast. I know we have visitors here. But a mark that Paul's talking about that we're able to suffer and have this life in these mortal bodies That we are going to suffer at some point, but when we suffer with Him, it is in order that we may be glorified with Him. We must, as a Christian, be willing to follow Christ through suffering. I want to bring up my daughter because there are different areas in our lives that we go through, and some in this room that are just dark. You're grieving, you don't eat. And the reason I bring up Maisie is because there were days that I wouldn't eat. Have you ever found yourself with pits in your stomach that seemed endless, they felt like they had no end? It was almost like physically, there was a part of your being or your in or your organs just carved out of you. Like I was trying to, to write these things down to describe to you how often we feel. To this day, it's still there. But you, as you grieve and work out these things in your life, as so many of you in this room have experienced this depth of grief, it, it becomes just part of who you are, and you learn to walk better. But there were days and hours when Maisie was taken from us. Days and hours and sometimes just sitting there and finding this pit in my stomach and not eating. But then there was one day, and, and Boone came to, he'll, he'll remember sometimes, and sometimes he doesn't. But he came to my bedside, and when he came to my bedside, he said, Dad, wake up. And I share this story often and over and over because of what it meant to me. I know, and I've preached, and we've endured areas in our life to which we suffer, and we understand it. But that day when Boone, at the height of my bed, looked me in the eye and said, Dad, wake up, it meant something physically but it also meant something spiritually. His little heart just wanted to play. He wanted to be normal. But dad wasn't able to be normal. But something spiritually began to work. And I need to remember these things, and that's why I want to share with you. I needed to trust the promises that I mentioned today. I needed to remember that I was in debt. I need to remember that I I am in debt to a God and that my God, the Father, Abba, Father, has given me everything that I have. He has paid for it. He even gave me my children. And if he gave and he is the giver and I am debt to this gracious God, can he be the one to take away? It's hard for our minds and our flesh Finitely to work it out and wrap around how it can be righteous and good. But I was reminded from that day and moments going forward that I could trust him. I could trust him and that he was going to use this for his glory. Another promise that I was, will be reminded of that I remind you of today is that we are, I am his child and he's going to care for me. Now get up and care for your son, (laughs) Boone. It really was that transaction happening. And the third thing is that I have promise of future glory with God. That one day, my family will be whole again. And I have to trust that. We do. We have to trust these things working out in us to make us righteous in the eyes of God. But there are some things this means, and there are a few things that this does not mean. It does not mean that we will have a clear mind all the time. As we walk through suffering, we will not have a clear mind. It doesn't mean that we're going to have this overwhelming good spirit, full hearts all the time. And it doesn't mean that we're going to have full strength. When we fix our eyes on those promises I just mentioned... We can't fabricate these three things. We can't wake up and say, hey, I'm going I'm to do this, I'm going to do that, and everything's going to be fine and dandy because you don't control it. You don't control those waves, those moments that you can't function. You don't. But God, power, and Christ can. So though those things doesn't mean that we can have clear minds and just have this full strength, what it does mean, church, in, in, this, in this physical, and this suffering that works out for us to obtain glory, we'll see Christ in those moments. When we see Christ, we begin to work out and have clear minds in the midst of suffering. You have to see Christ in his word and his promises, and it begins to filter and work. When we see Christ, we experience joy. We relate, and we realize that suffering isn't meaningless. But when we seek Christ in all of our moments of weakness, we know that His grace is sufficient and His power is made perfect. When we walk through these times of suffering that Paul is so familiar with, and He reminds the church here that you're going to suffer. And when you suffer, follow Christ, not yourself. Don't follow your flesh. The flesh is going to eat at you. Because the number one thing that happens when we follow our flesh in the moments of suffering and grief is we make it about us. And Christ cannot get the glory. So wherever you are this morning in this time, and we learn to be glorified with him and in him and for him, let us be set on our next week's passage, future glory. But we be reminded that where we are, we are in debt to God. We are His children. And we are heirs of His inheritance. In Revelations 21, 4-7, through seven, and I'm going to close with this. In Revelations 21, I'm going to start with verse 1. We've got time. And I'll read through 7. The Spirit... Clearly told me this week, remind you guys of the new earth. Remind them of heaven. So here's the reminder, church. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven, and the first earth hath passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Husband, do you remember that day? First time you saw your wife or see her coming down the aisle. And I I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give. Golly, this is good. To the thirsty I will give from them spring of the water of life without payment. The debt is gone. Without payment. The one who conquers will have this inheritance. I'm sorry, the one who conquers will have this heritage. And I will be this God and he will be my son. Let's pray. Lord, we will thirst no more. And there will be no payment for all of this glory. No payment from us, Father. But just the payment that you have already paid through your Son, Jesus Christ. So we must thank you for that. For we are no longer slaves to our sin and our flesh. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, I pray that you comfort your church this morning. Father, as they work out their ailments and their sufferings and their financials, stabilities, all the different things and tangibles that this system of the world and America has for us, God, guide their steps. Heavenly Father, put, put the right conversations in their path with the right questions to help counsel them by the truth. But Lord, this morning, as as the storm approaches and we think about the storms in our life, the biggest storm was the sin that separated us from you and you gave us victory. You parted the sea that you could walk us right through it by your work, Father. God, I thank you for the time with the church and I just pray that they respond individually to your word.